0: to professor jonathan walton the clergy laity of harvard memorial church i am blessed because this is a dream come true thank you for your hospitality and for your kind invitation jesus took with him peter and james and john and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves and he was transfigured before him and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus. Won't you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you and you alone are our strong rock and our Redeemer. Amen. This past week, my little brother Scott, a senior at the University of the North Carolina School of the Arts, a conservatory in my home state, performed an opera from a story that we had all heard before. However, in this particular instance, I saw the story with new eyes because of my little brother, Scott. The A.J. Fletcher Opera Institute performed Rossini's Cinderella, the old story of a woman transfigured from ashes to the beauty and splendor of a kingdom. The story came alive for me in new ways because my younger brother offered us a deep and abiding wisdom in the play. You see in rosini's version of cinderella cinderella has a grandiose stepfather instead of a stepmother and a great teacher and philosopher intervenes on her behalf instead of the typical fairy godmother scott my younger brother plays the philosopher the wise sage who brings healing By the end of the opera, he is dressed in dazzling white and made to be the king's wise counsel. He offered Cinderella a transfiguring experience by offering her a new and different way of life. That being said, I still must confess that I see my younger brother as if we were children. I breathe deeply every time he opens his mouth to sing because i don't want him to fail i watch the newspapers that haven't been kind to me in north carolina to make sure they are kind to him for his performance i make sure that he's protected and happy that's just what big brothers do he is the person who makes me proud to be a Lee because of his courage, his grit, and his determination to be the best possible person he can be. For me, my brother is someone I look up to because he is infinite in his ability to make me laugh, to show me love, and to be the person of ethical hard work that I aspire to be. But it took him his senior year of high school to figure out that he could sing to reach his full potential. He was, he was playing football and had an injury and then all of a sudden he was transfigured into this singer. He has this velvety bass baritone now and it was accepted into the UNCSA after only six months of practice. I tell you this because we hear a lesson in Mark's gospel of a story of transformation from a first-century Palestinian rabbi to a Messiah. Jesus has turned his face towards Jerusalem. He knows what is next. Peter, James, and John went with him up on a high mountain and there he was transfigured, he was transformed like Scott was in Rosini's Cinderella into a Christological version of himself with Moses and Elijah. Now, the easy homiletical move here, Professor Walton, the easy thing to do for me today would be to blame Peter in the story. Because Peter wants to build this tabernacle, this place of worship, this place where we can just sit here and rest on our laurels. And I know many of you find fault in Peter. You're good at finding fault. You're at Harvard. Um, But we don't give Peter enough credit in Mark's lesson for us today. For in this moment, infinity touched the finite. Or as the theologian and Toy Story character Buzz Lightyear might say, Peter, James, and John were taken to infinity and beyond. What would you do if heaven touched earth as it did in this account? What would you do... If Martin and Malcolm and Jesus showed up right here and had a message for us, what would you do? I believe the lesson in today's gospel text is that when heaven bends down to touch earth, you best be ready for the beauty of God's infinity. Deeper than that, this lesson is a lesson and a text in touch Humanity was touched by Christ. I can use my scriptural imagination to see a very ordinary Jesus, transformed by the work of the Father, bending down and touching Peter on his shoulder and saying, Peter, don't you get it? Don't you see? For Mark's gospel is a lesson in not seeing. A bunch of babbling, wannabe apostles not getting the message that Jesus is trying to convey until it is long after the fact. So we too, as wannabe followers of the way of Jesus, fail and forget and forage for answers when the answers to our finite existence are here in Mark's Gospel. I believe that our failure to see this is made most apparent In today's world, when evangelicals get in bed with the Trump administration instead of remembering or recollecting that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus, because he came to bring good news to the poor, not tax cuts to the rich. He came to bring recovery of sight to the blind, not the dismantling of the Affordable Care Act. He came to let the captive go free, which means reforming our prison industrial complex. This is what Jesus intended for us, a new and different way of life, a life that is completely upside down and therefore right side up. For Jesus came as Elijah and Moses did for the sake of the widow and the orphan, the enslaved and the downtrodden, the migrant worker and the dreamer jesus came as a first century resident of palestine to offer us a new way a different way a god-like way of bringing about the kingdom of god for us here in harvard yard you see jesus's transfiguration gives us permission as christians for a transformation The issues we face are easily solved in the light of his glory and grace. But it is obvious that the principalities and powers of this world do not see that as a means of solving problems. We are polarized in this nation. We are a broken empire. But Jesus did not come to save Caesar. Jesus did not come to save the Roman Empire. Jesus entered time as an engendered human being on the outskirts of an empire for the sake of transfiguration and for the sake of resurrection. One of my preaching professors at Duke, Chuck Campbell, said that it is far past time for Christians to call out our leaders, but in so doing we must call out the principalities and powers that make those leaders possible. We must call out the wicked stepfather and stepsisters, as in Rosini's Cinderella, and I feel that you people here at Harvard are the best people to do it. You people here at the Memorial Church, under the leadership of your fine clergy, can do just that. You can allow Christ's transfiguration today to lead to a transformation of how you respond to the powerful, the wealthy, and those who wish to dismantle everything that we hold dear. Simply and directly, you must offer those who claim to know it all that you know infinity. You know a God who has made plain the way of the world is not the way of Christ. You know a God who cares more for the dreamers than those who wish to crush dreams. You know a God who has named racism and xenophobia as sinful. You know a God who sees Confederate monuments as idolatrous. So in that infinite reality, we must name it as a part of our finite nature. With all that said, and when it's all done, this can still be difficult. The church is not what she used to be. In fact, many sanctuaries across our country find their pews are empty. As Tennyson said, "Those much is taken much abides. We are not now the strength which in old days moved heaven and earth. That which we are, we are. We may not have the numbers or the finances or the sheer force we used to have as an institution, but we have infinity on our side. We have a transfigured Christ who offers us a new and different way of seeing the world. This way, this hope, this reality is what we will see with our church and our country renewed to what God has intended it to be. We must never, ever give up on the possibility of transformation. On this Transfiguration Sunday, may you be resolved to find hope in the reality that we are not the end of the sentence, the paragraph, or the page. We do not write the end of the story, for our God already has. So we must work to bring about that ending in such a way that when all is said and done, we are brought to that table of infinity and of grace. Some may call me an optimist after hearing these words. Some may call me crazy after hearing these words. But let me take you back 20 years ago. I was on a beach with my brother, my hero, and my brother got caught under the waves. He told this story at my wedding, and I don't remember it, but he does, and he said that I grabbed him by his shoulders and pulled him back to reality. I asked Scott about that, and he said it was scary for him, but he knew I was there and he had someone on his side knowing that we were going to stick together. That even in his fear, he knew he had a big brother looking after him and watching out for him. This story of Scott being under the waves is an assurance that though the world seems oft so wrong, God is the ruler yet. Scott is now the man I hope I one day will be, and he's younger than me. He's transformed from that young guy under the waves to a young man who is a star on the North Carolina opera scene. The hope of the resurrection, the hope of the transfiguration, the certainty of infinity is that this can happen for us now, here, today, in this very moment, in 21st century Cambridge, Massachusetts. My mom is one of the wisest teachers of scripture I know and she joins us here today in this wonderful place. She was the one who first taught my brother and I to stick together and to hear the song in the heart of God. I remember one day years ago hearing her tell a group of young people that Jesus could have stayed on that mountain like Peter wanted to, but instead he chose to enter back into the world he had come to love to show us that the love that made us makes us one. And that's ultimately the message that we have to share today. It would have been easy for Scott to have given up after his football injury and not sing. It would have been easy for my mom to just skip over that part of scripture and not tell her children about the transfiguration. It would have been easy for us to silo ourselves off in the progressive ivory towers and not engage in the hard work of transformation and transfiguration. But for the sake of the redemption and reconciliation of the world, for the sake of infinity, we must go out of these doors of this church for a better tomorrow and for a better hope in our God. Because in spite of the opposition to the powers that wish to see our downfall, we have a strong and certain hope that God is not done with us yet. Because in the end, Jesus did go down that mountain, in case you missed it. Jesus did go back down that mountain. And in the end, I realized that that God transfigures all of us. For the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it we go down from this mountain of transfiguration to ash wednesday we go from ash wednesday to Lent to easter but in those moments we have a strong and resilient hope that the transfigured christ will meet us in those places and we'll say you are beloved child of god you are beloved or his buzz light year would say, to infinity and beyond. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.